Welcome to Hedge Clippings, a podcast about... I am your host, Travis Hedges-Williams. Episode... This One. It is a dark time for Star Wars fans. There are voices in the heavens that say now is the renaissance of the franchise, while other whispers mourn the loss of a once great epic. A fandom united is now divided. One podcast from the outer rim of iTunes dares to rank the theatrically released films by quality. There's too many of them. On this episode of Hedge Clipping, such a list will be made, but it will not be made alone, for there is another who dares to go on record stating his feelings on this space opera. It's a trap! Joining me is Phil Savan, a whip cracker who has the scars to prove it, an actor and all-around nerd's nerd. Phil, welcome to Hedge Clippings. Here I am. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. So, so it's nice to be had. Isn't it, though? Phil, give us a little background on your history with the franchise, and how strong are you with the fandom these days? Uh, I am uh, maintaining. I'm maintaining. We're taking a couple of big hits, but I'm still I'm, uh, going along. Uh, 1977, I was five years old. Uh, up until that point in my life, all I had seen was black and white cowboy movies, so my mother said, hey, we're going to go see a movie. <clears throat> and I said, I don't want to go see a movie because it's going to be one of those things where the guy uh, pats a little bit of chocolate syrup to himself, spins like Audie Murphy and falls over. I don't like that crap. And then it was Star Wars and I was blown away. It's the story that everyone tells. So, but that's mine. And for the next year, I wore my socks over my pants when I went to kindergarten uh, to look like Luke. That's, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, the force was strong with you then. It really was. And uh, is the force strong with you today? I would say it is. I would say it is. The challenge I set before Phil and I was to rank the nine Star Wars movies that make up the three trilogies, plus the two standalone movies that have come out fairly recently. Phil, for you, was this an easy task or a difficult task? Or This was a task I thought was going to be easy, and it turned out not to be, because everyone bags on the prequels, but... Pretty much anything that a fanboy goes nuts about came from the prequels. Rule of Two, Sith, Yoda with a lightsaber, Clone Wars, Boba Fett. Um, so the, their influence, you can't, you can't really understate that. Uh, and then the new ones, they had lots of good things in them and lots of bad things in them, too. And then when you go back to the original trilogy, yeah, it had some peccadillos, too, so... I thought, when you asked me, I thought, oh, this is going to be easy. And, oh, this is going to be easy. And, no, it was absolutely not, Obi-Wan. Thanks for saying that. I had similar thoughts. I was like, oh, this isn't going to be too difficult. And I think the, the very top of the list and the very bottom of the list were fairly easy to do. But once you're trying to – you're splitting hairs in the, in the middle of, like, well, I don't know. This kind of outweighs this. But how do you, how do you compare? So I, I also struggled. I think the worst is that well, we're going to have to talk about Last Jedi, and even in the small chance that we come down on the same side, we're going to have to be on a podcast where we go against everyone else in the world. <laughs> well, just having an opinion on The Last Jedi means you're target for someone on the internet. <laughs> so, but I, th I mean, you kind of mentioned this. I, I think all the Star Wars films have their flaws. 
Uh, it's really just kind of a, I mean, every movie does, but Star Wars gets picked apart. And I, I just think it's a matter of which flaws are you willing to overlook? Uh, do the flaws outweigh the good? I mean, those are the kind of things that I wrestled with when putting my list together. Right. So without further ado, should we start at the bottom of the list and work our way up? Oh, I think it'd be funnier if we went top to bottom. What do you think? Yeah, we can do that. Okay, let's get started. I got a bad feeling about this. Okay, Phil, what's your number one? Uh, number one, best of all time, uh, episode four, A New Hope. <laughs> of course. It's the same story that everyone tells, because um, there had been nothing like it. Uh, and it holds together as a movie. It happens at a daffy speed. Uh, Luke doesn't have time to change clothes. Right, he he goes from literally being a farmer boy wishing towards the horizon. The only thing about a Disney movie that he doesn't actually legitimately say in the movie is, "This is all my fault." <laughs> Other than that, it's he should be singing that song. I want to be somewhere that I'm not right now. Um, and then yeah, and then uh, an hour later, he's a champion of the galaxy through no fault of his own. <laughs> yeah, he's just kind of along for the ride with his socks yeah. over his pants. <laughs> It, so my number one was actually Empire. Slimy, my home this is. Which I thought so. Which is a little cliche. You know, I fought against that for a long time. And if I were doing my personal ranking of like which one am I gonna most likely to watch, Empire probably wouldn't be number one. But when I think of which is the best, quote unquote, I do think it's Empire because I think it delivers on sort of the promise of the first film because it gives you more of that but expands it. But it also, at the end, you're like, no, more, more, more. I need more. I need more. So from that standpoint, I think it was as good as Star Wars could ever be because it fulfilled the promise of the last one and it promises more in the future. And it's just in between. It's really strong. So for me, that's why it's probably the best. It's not that it's, oh, it's the dark one. Like, like, that's cool and all. But for me, it's because from beginning to end, it's everything you want it to be in my mind. Exactly, exactly. And if that's the same opinion that other people have, don't fight. Use your instincts. Use your aggressive feelings, boy. Uh, And people forget that that was a sequel. That was Star Wars 2. And you talk about how many sequels that Hollywood has messed up, and you can really only think of Aliens and Die Hard 2 when it comes to the, the best sequels ever. You forget Star Wars entirely because it's its own thing. It's a Roman numeral with an addendum to it. That could have been so bad. That could have been the Star Wars holiday special. But not only was it wasn't, was it wasn't, not only wasn't it, um, yeah, it had real consequences. Uh, and it, yeah, the banger of all spoilers of all time. What's your number two? Gonna have to go with Empire for the same reasons that you said. No! No! Episode four edged it out because it's his own thing and it's fun. Even though there's bad things that happen, it's fun. I don't want to say Empire's a slog, because it isn't. It's just a downer, and it depends on the one that came before it, the one that goes after it. So, by this much, splitting hairs. So, and it's funny you say that, because New Hope would be my number two. The circle is now complete. Uh, oh, okay. And the reason, yeah, the reason it kind of edged out as number two was, to me, episode one feels, or episode four feels long now. New Hope feels long when I watch it. And I think part of that is just, and it's it's not the movie's fault. It's just that it's become such a pop culture touchstone. It's been so parodied. 
it's almost impossible to look at it without being like, oh yeah, you know the seven different parody cartoon episodes there are of this and the just every television show ever has a Star Wars reference pretty much at least three times a season. And so many of them come from that. It's For me, it's just hard to get past the cultural baggage that movie has picked up over the years. True. And when I said that it moves at a daffy speed, I should say that once it gets going, it does that. Because you forget that you don't meet Luke till half an hour in, and nothing happens until the first hour. Because, you know, 1976, none of this existed. So you kind of, ladies and gentlemen, this is a teleporter. This is a laser gun, and this is what happens when you get shot by one. So, yeah, um, interesting story. Well, I'll leave it to you to judge whether this is interesting or not. When I met Rosalie... Your fiancé. Uh, she had seen the prequels, but not the original trilogy. And uh, that, was, that, was a tough, uh, that was a tough situation for me because it was a lot like sex. Uh, here's these movies. I don't want you to do anything you want to do. I want you to feel comfortable. I want this to be your idea. Uh, and she resisted for the longest time because she said, you know, it makes me unique that I haven't seen the, the original trilogy. I've seen the prequels and the Star Wars movies are all like that. And I didn't want to say anything. Turned out a guy at a party that she hated summed it up perfectly said, that's like judging all the Indiana Jones movies on Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Ooh. And she went, oh, and I went, yes, I, oh, that's fine. <laughs> so we went home, we watched the first one. She watched it, I watched her. At the end, I said, so as casually as possible, so what did, what did you think? She says, well, it wasn't as cheesy as I thought. So we watched the uh, we watched Empire the next week, and at the end of it, she said, the Darth Vader's your father thing happens in this movie? I thought it happened in the next movie. What happens in the next movie? So I said, well, I've got it right here. And we watched that one, and... Uh, here, a couple of years later, uh, in our foyer, we have an oil painting of Carrie Fisher as Saint Fisher holding Gary Fisher flipping the bird. Congratulations. You've, you've achi- achievement unlocked. I forget why I was telling that story. I do too. But one of my favorite videos online is when a guy recorded his friend uh, recounting the plot of Star Wars, even though she'd never seen any of the movies. Yes. So I worth the Google for anyone who hasn't seen it. It's a great, great video. In addition to that, there's one up there where a kid who has seen the Star Wars movies but is six recounts it to us. So what happened to Obi-Wan? Oh, he's a ghost, but he's a good ghost, and he kills the bad ghost. What rounds out your top three? Jedi. Jedi uh, is my number three, I suppose I should say, episode six, Return of the Jedi. Not Revenge of the Jedi, although that was almost a thing. It started going from fun to no consequences fun, but only by degrees, and it started the inevitable Muppetization of the franchise. That said, there were a lot of heavy issues that the movie did tackle, and it, again, that's a third. that's the end of a trilogy, that's a third movie point to the amount of third movies capstones and trilogies that are good that's the only one jedi is also my number three he's my brother so this is where we this is our first agreement in the ranking (laughs) um it's my number three in terms of i think best star wars movies but it's probably the one i'm most likely to watch if it's like, hey, let's throw on a star wars movie jedi is the one i'm probably going to want to watch i really love the the 
seemingly high stakes, the emotion, the closure, it just feels, it's the emotional experience of that movie I like. But it does stumble a bit narratively, like Luke's plan for all of rescuing Han on Tatooine makes no sense whatsoever. Um, Speaking of good parody videos, there's just like, what was that plan? Like, it just, no. (laughs) After your plan was to go into the Empire, uh, the Emperor's chamber and wait? Yeah. What are you going to do? And it's... Um, and it's like we're only we're on the third movie, but you have to build another Death Star. That's that you're out of narrative ideas already. So we're just going to build another Death Star. You know why not? Although uh, that I think this, the the source of the problems for that movie was that two movies in they realized shit, Luke's not the main character. What do we do? Yeah. <laughs> Crap. I mean, Darth Vader's in, uh, unquestionably the villain because he's driving the plot, but oh god, he's the one that's gonna fix things ah you know what they'll never know muppets muppets what comes in as your number four okay so uh i have to ask you a few qualifying questions here first <laughs> are we going by uh i was going by trilogy to make it easier to way we don't have to spend all day doing this do you want to mix them up mine are mixed up i will i was gonna say the original trilogy makes up my top three surprising no one but from here on out they get mixed up uh, okay, I'll take counterpoint then. I'll uh, keep them uh, or, uh, organized by trilogy while you mix them all up, and that ought to give us something to fight about. Excellent. Uh, also, are we going by objectively Sid Field good movies, or are we saying place in my heart best? I'll I leave that to you. I can, for me personally, it's a little bit of both, especially like once we get into like Ford onward, it's just kind of like, well, this is narratively better, this is stronger here, but weaker here, so it really kind of comes down to personal feel. Let's see, if we're gonna go by trilogy, uh, the prequels, bashed though they may be, is next, because uh, that whole thing holds together, and I think the best one of the uh, prequel trilogy is uh, episode three, Revenge of the Sith. You were the chosen one! I think very few would argue with you that that is the best of the prequel trilogy. For me, my number four is actually Force Awakens. I'm being torn apart. Episode seven. I came very close to saying that. Um, But tell me why. For me, it's because, uh, it's for several reasons. One, it's just a fun watch. I mean, J.J. Abrams, who's a director I like more than I don't, uh, he makes, his movies are a fun ride. Now, where a lot of his work falls apart is when you stop and think about it after the fact. Um, but Force Awakens, it's just a fun ride. You talked about how episode four is just like, you know, Luke doesn't have time to change clothes. Force Awakens to me feels like that ride. It's just like one cool scene after another. And again, Force Awakens has a promise of this mysterious world, things that are here to see. Like there are stories I'm like, ooh, I want to know more about this person. Ooh, where did that happen? Where is this going? There's a lot of promise in Force Awakens. Now, whether or not it pays off later, we'll we'll get into that. But At the end of the list, we'll get into that, yes. Yeah, but the promise is there. Um, Would you say that that mystery fits into a box? Would you say that that's a mystery box? Mystery box? I I mean, we'll talk about what happens to the box, but I would say... It's not slusho, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I think there was a lot of potential there. Um, I mean, one of my biggest complaints about the entire sequel trilogy is uh, the blatant... It's not even fan service. It's just a retread because, like, Luke's Luke's lightsaber gets a better plotline in the sequel trilogy than most of the characters. 
It really does. And I'm like, I, guys, I just don't care. Like, uh, yeah, it was a cool prop, and like, its role in the prequels is more important. But like now, I'm like, it's gone. Let it, let it be gone. Let it have consequences. Let the past die. And they just never let it go. And I'm just kill it if you have to. Yeah, Kylo Ren is a great character. I love Kylo Ren. Um, he's everything Anakin should have been in the prequels. So, and I just, I never understand in the sequel trilogy how the Empire, like, okay, so the Empire was defeated. How do they have infinite funds to build all these super weapons and the people to do it? And, and don't tell me I need to read some comic book or some Yeah, no, no, wiki. no, can't get it done in the movie. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I don't... Expand universes for things like Boba Fett, who has a function in the movie, but also is way too cool to just let him be some guy that caused a dude. Yeah, I think there would have been a lot more interesting thing, stories to be told if we had dealt with the world after the Empire had fallen. And like this idea that there were people who were still sort of loyal to the ideas of the Empire or who like, oh yeah, this whole democracy thing isn't really working for us. The Nazis in Argentina are like, you know what we ought to do? Yeah, like, show me, that to me would have been a lot more interesting than, oh, it's a big bad empire, but we're going to call them the First Order. It's, <sighs> okay, like, I just, I like the idea that the Rebel Alliance, now that they had won, their version of government maybe wasn't great. Um, you know, I think there were stories to be told there, but that's that's why. They're really particularly strong, they got a little bit uh, Battlestar Galactica Season 3 on them, a little doughy. Yeah, yeah, so... <laughs> I, uh... Live long enough to see yourself become a villain. Yeah, so Force Awakens comes in at number four to me. Uh, did I already give you number four? I you did. did. You did. It's, uh, it's Revenge of the Sith. So why, why is that your number four? Uh, oh, let's see. Uh, well, I'll stick into trilogies. Uh, that's the one where I feel like Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones were setting up Revenge of the Sith. Not only in just a, um, this movie comes after this movie way, but... We, we were all waiting for the whole thing to dovetail in with number four, and number three is where that happens. So that's where heads start coming off. That's where everyone we've been introduced to that we've already met is in the condition that we meet them in number four. That, that convoluted statement is brought to you by uh, the first movie being episode four in a trilogy of 11. <laughs> a trilogy of 11. All right, what's your number five? Number five, uh, I'm, I'm uh, staying by Trilogy, aren't I? So we'll do uh, Phantom Menace. Now this is pod racing. Ooh, you've put Phantom yeah. Menace ahead of Attack of the Clones. That is a... First off, I gotta say, Phantom Menace, I love that title. I love it because it's, it's all Flash Gordon. It's all Flash Gordon. And um, I had to laugh when they, uh, they announced that title and announced it in the room with Ewan McGregor who was quoted as saying, it's a terrible title. It's a terrible title. They didn't say if he was laughing or not. I think he probably was. But come on. I would go see a movie called Phantom Menace because it's called Phantom Menace. If Matthew McConaughey was in it and he was just two hours about, right, 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 I'd go see that because it's called The Phantom Menace. But what is The Phantom Menace? Like, in the narrative, what is The Phantom Menace? Have you seen that theory that you can exchange the, the subtitles for the first and last movies and they work better? Rise of Skywalker is episode one and Phantom Menace in episode nine. Oh, yeah, that's actually a yeah, brilliant idea. Came that up, but that was clever. This was, we went to see that movie and we saw it for three hours before we realized that the prequel trilogy wasn't really going to be what we thought it was going to be. So, this is one of those place in my heart movies. 
it's still fun to watch. It's a slog. It's a three-hour slog. Oh, God, there's two more laps around the track. Really? They still don't have the parts yet? We're still in this thing? Where's the lightsabers? Yippee! But we still get to um, meet all the people. We get moments like, Anakin Skywalker, meet Obi-Wan Kenobi. And they're, they're, they're not played for anything bigger than they are. They're just in there. And there you go. I, I will say, I do remember... I mean, we'll talk about Phantom Menace. I'll, I'll share my thoughts on it when we get to it. But it is... It doesn't hold a place in my heart quite the same way, but I do remember the cultural moment when they announced that they were doing the prequels. And the first trailer and that came out, it's like every generation has a legend. And just the, oh my god! And the Star Wars... Hammering movie. the refresh button because it would stop 10 frames in. Oh, come on! Yes, yes. It was, it, it was 1999, so it... it the cultural moment, I mean, when that movie was coming out, you just couldn't take two steps without seeing some kind of merchandise. Someone was talking about it. Someone was in line. Like, it just was an amazing cultural moment to be a part of. And I will give the movie credit for that. It did, of course, epically disappoint everyone forever. But <laughs> that, that, the hype was amazing. The hype was better than the film. It's aged pretty well, though, I think. It's gotten a little bit better. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll agree to disagree on that because I have a feeling I'm not going to see Phantom Menace in your list for quite a while. Um, yeah, so that's my number. Where did I put that at? Number F -f four. Yes. No, no, five. F that's your five. I will say for Phantom Menace, the, one of the interesting cultural fallout of that movie and the trilogy, the prequel trilogy, is the poor mental state of many of the actors who were in it. You know, Jake Lloyd has ha got brutally, played young Anakin, of course, brutally teased and mercilessly attacked on the internet and now has some mental health struggles and I think was arrested for something. I think it was maybe a violent thing. Um, the guy who played Jar Jar Binks has got his mental health struggles and that's, you know, whatever you say about the movies, um, the fact that those actors have suffered this is really unfortunate. And we see that with the sequel trilogy too, with the actors who played Rose and Daisy Ridley and just like a lot of them, the price of being in a Star Wars movie is pretty high, it would seem. It is, yeah, when they come to you, you gotta weigh your options. Um, interesting to me, a couple of things on that score, if, uh, <clears throat> just showing the generational differences, I swear I'm not gonna talk about getting off my lawn here, but if you and I in in middle school, if they hey guess what guys I'm playing young Darth Vader, we would not have been teased. We would have been deified. I don't know what happened in the ten years subsequent where he's like, hey, I'm gonna be in this movie and you're gonna be in a Star Wars movie. Stop it! Stop! That's supposed to be a good thing. Uh, and what else was I saying? Yes, the um, the guys in the middle trilogy, which is the one that came first, again wacko, got crucified the people that came after saw those crucifixions and are like middle finger for you and middle finger for you. Have you read that piece that, um, Kelly Marie Tran wrote about having been, uh, Rose. Yeah. Mm -mm. Uh, it was, it was pretty good. She goes into the, uh, elation of getting cast. She goes into, Oh God, people hate me. And then it comes out being sort of like a, uh, a winning piece because no, I'm not going anywhere. Yes. I'm an Asian actor in Hollywood. Yes. I'm having success and I'm going to be who I am. And I'm also going to be who the director tells me. So I'm just beginning. So I feel like <clears throat> though the sacrifices for the guys in the prequel trilogy that didn't have a lot of fun at the hands of fans, uh, 
what was tragic, it helped the next generation, like Daisy Ridley, try to tell her she didn't do a good job. It's not going to work out well for you. And I don't know whether it's just 30 years on, there's a different generation, or whether people have that in mind, like, well, you're, you're not going to Disney Plus me, mate. You're not going to um, Jar Jar Binks me. So, I don't know. There you go. Well, coming in at number five for me is Rogue One. Save the rebellion! Save the dream! Ah! Um, but I don't know. This, this whole middle section, from here to the, towards the end, this was really hard. This was splitting Wookiee hairs for me. Um, but the reason I gave Rogue One sort of the high rank was um, it, did, it felt like a story that was worth telling. You know, if you're going to start pulling things from around the Star Wars universe, I'm like, yeah, I am kind of interesting, interested in this. Um, the third act of that film is fantastic. When they finally get to the planet and are getting the plans and there's a whole battle taking place on the beach, which, by the way, I'm an archivist for a living. You would never put archives on a beach planet, but I digress. <laughs> um, it's Something still, about salt water, maybe? It's just, it's not a good environment for a digital archive. Um, but Can I we also talk about how the, uh, the bad guy's plan, once they've found out that the archives have been infiltrated, is to destroy the entire archive? Well, you know, nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. <laughs> I'm going to tell them the whole thing was your idea. But I... I, the problem, I mean, Rogue One's issues, like, it just, it's kind of, I mean, it's a movie that's, I mean, its struggles are well documented. It doesn't really know what it wants to be. It was this, then they kind of reshot it, and so it's kind of piecemeal, but I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there. The characters are a little flat, but the story is interesting, and I just, I think the tone overall, like, I mean, the ending, everybody dies, um, is fantastic, uh, and the... It's like Empire's your favorite movie. The, I mean, just like the the idea that, you know, because we always see the rebels winning. I mean, Empire Strikes Back notwithstanding. But, you know, the rebels almost always win. The good guys almost always win. So this idea that, well, yeah, the cause is going to win, but we're going to lose all these lives in the process. Um, right. That was really beautiful to me. Uh, I thought the whole idea with the girl trying to chase after her father and her father is forced to create the Death Star and fills in that plot hole of... How does one torpedo into this chute destroy the whole thing? Like, we fixed that plot hole, which was beautiful. Right. Um, not that it ever really bothered me, but it is nice that it's fixed. Um, we get a little bit of Darth Vader on Mustafar. We've got the guy in white who's, like, ambitious in the Empire. Like, he's cool. But that's the Darth Vader hallway scene at the end where he's just tearing through Rebels, which was done in a reshoot. Like, that... To, that's the whole movie to me. Like that's all that I'm like. I just want to see that scene because it's so good. Uh, someone that uh, wrote something that I read that I thought put it very well. They said up until that point, Vader had become a mascot, <laughs> and this one put him back where he was supposed to be. And this is one of the few, one of the scenes in movies where I had to ask myself if a villain could do that. The other one being um, uh, the pencil trick that the Joker does in the dark. I'm going to make this pencil disappear. When he did that. Up until that point, the Joker had been the Super Friends Joker, had been the Jack Nicholson Joker, and I'm like, can he? He just straight up murdered that guy. He put a pencil in that dude's brain. Can he do? Can he do that? Uh, I guess he can. And then Vader's lopping people's heads off, even though we saw him do that in the prequels, and like, no problem. In between, then he'd been the guy with the snappy comeback, apology accepted, and and 
Yeah, but okay, no, he can do that. That's what he's supposed to do. James Earl Jones said that it took him the whole first movie to get into the headspace of Vader, which is why Vader's all over the map, angry wise, emotional wise, in the first one. Dad, tear the ship apart till you. And then when you get into the second one, apology accepted. That explains why he's so angry. He was this close. He had to go to the Emperor and say, I missed the plans. By how much did you miss the Lord Vader? Uh, about five inches, my master. So that's why he's so pissed at Leia in episode four. So although I bemoan the fact that Star Wars is so heavily parodied, I, a video that never fails to make me laugh is the robot chicken sketch where we're in Palpatine's office and Vader calls to, to inform them him that he just blew up the, de- the Death Star just got blown up. What the hell is an aluminum falcon? Worth the Google if anyone hasn't seen it. So what comes in for number six for you? Uh, number six, where was I? Oh, Attack of the Clones. She seems to be on top of things. It's a slog. A lot of the things that make the prequels awesome are in that movie. You've got my favorite character in the prequels, Count Dooku. You've got Yoda with a lightsaber. You've got the clones, you've got Tamara Morrison, you've got the backstory of Boba Fett. Um, and admittedly, the romance parts are few and far between, but they're just so long. And it's it's that was that's one of the few Star Wars movies where I feel like I'm having to wait to get to the good part. So for me, number six is Revenge of the Sith. Oh, okay. Um, All right. For, I mean, I, I do I agree with a lot of what you said earlier. Um, the opening space battle of Revenge of the Sith is fantastic. Absolutely. Um, just that, just diving into that right away. I'm like, I remember sitting in the theater and of course, by this point, we'd been burned twice. <laughs> <laughs> Much like Vader's fate at the end, but I digress. So I'm just kind of sitting there like, all right, it's midnight. Here I am. All right, let's let's do this. Um, so, like the opening stage battle, and I'm like, okay, there, there there's hope for this. I mean, R2D2 just set some people on fire with his rocket jets that no one remembered he had in any movie after this. But okay, okay, I'm I'm with you. Um, and just like the tone of maybe I do like all the dark stuff. Order sixty six, and you know the Emperor coming to power, the Yoda versus Palpatine fight. So I threw the Senate at him. <laughs> The whole Senate. True story. Um, of course, Anakin versus Obi-Wan. Like, those are just so enjoyable to watch. Just the stakes. You feel the stakes. The stakes are very high. And that's one of the only moments in the prequels that I feel genuine stakes. And I feel really into it. Well said. I agree. That's why it's my number, whatever I said it was. What's your number seven? Uh, let's see. We're moving into the sequel trilogy. Uh, this one was the hardest one I had to do. I'm uh, gonna go with Last Jedi. I feel something. You feel it? Yes, I feel it. That's the force. Really? Wow, it must be really strong well, of you. I've never felt any... Ow! All right. Say your I'm, piece. I'm not sure I knew what I was gonna say until I just said it. Because uh, between Force Awakens and Last Jedi, uh, that's that's a hard one. I'll, uh, I'll justify that by saying that... Um, I feel like The Last Jedi was the first Star Wars movie for adults, which is not to say that movies for kids are bad and that you had to be an adult to enjoy that, but there's lots of consequences in that movie. Uh, there's lots of new things that we had never seen before. We'd never seen we'd never seen an apprentice kill a master specifically to become the master. We'd never seen a harebrained scheme by the Empire fail. You mean the rebellion, but continue. 
unless you're counting Rogue One, which it wouldn't because the scheme won. The scheme prevailed, the people not so much. Um, yeah, there was about 30 minutes of Casino that we could have done with, without. Um, I'm all happy with Rose. I love Rose. She's everything that the, uh, the, the new rebellion should be. Kind of happy-go-lucky, let's go do that. I don't know about if we're going um, into a casino and trying to find a guy who's selling black market weapons to run at him screaming, that's him, that's the guy! But I like where they took Luke. It was gutsy, and uh, I liked it. Although I wouldn't go toe-to-toe with anyone who didn't like it, because I get it. Oddly enough, Last Jedi is also number seven for me. Hi, I'm holding for General Hugs. The one that we agree on. Um, But, I mean... I... I, I struggled with it. You know, it's funny that you mentioned this is the first Star Wars movie for adults because recently I read the actor who played Jar Jar Binks came out and said the, his issue with the sequel trilogy is that it forgot that it's supposed to be for kids, that these are space movies for kids. Right. Uh, um, so I do think that's... The interesting thing about Last Jedi is that very few people are in the gray area. You either love it or hate it. Um, I... oh. Like, it just... Here's the thing, and I've said this before. The thing that, for Last Jedi, for me, there isn't any one thing about it that breaks the movie. Yeah, the casino thing is stupid and boring and doesn't really serve any function. But let's look at Luke's plot on Tatooine to re- from Jabba the Hutt. Like, who, like, just... So I'm willing to let that go. Um, the issue... Last Jedi, for me, is death by a thousand cuts. It's like, oh, Luke threw away the lightsaber. Oh, that's an interesting choice. I'll let it go. Like, oh, Snoke is nobody? Okay, we'll let it go. Oh, Ray is nobody? Okay, we'll let it go. So by the end of the movie, I'm like, what What just happened? Like, because I look down and I'm bleeding out. <laughs> like, it wasn't any single wound. Um, but that being said, I do think the narrative is at least cleaner than some of the other movies uh, in the sequel trilogy. There is the slightest of hope that... Th- there can be a story pulled out of this. Cause like I talked about that with empire, like it paid off the promise of the first one and then had somewhere to go. I do think last Jedi completely obliterated the promises of the first one, uh, which I guess it was trying to do, but I do feel that it, and this is kind of why it ranked a little higher for me is that at the end of last Jedi, I was like, okay, I don't possibly see how you get another movie out of this. I don't know that I want another movie out of this, but I'm going to take it on faith that you have a plan and are going somewhere. Eh, um, I, I just, ugh, that movie. But nevertheless, it's number seven for me. I do think it's interesting that Mark Hamill, when that movie first came out, he's like, yeah, when they sent me the script, I was like, the hell is this? And he, said, he backtracked that. He's like, no, 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 I, I, I like it. I still want paychecks. Yeah. <laughs> I guess there were a couple of things... Okay, so one of the things I've always said about Force Awakens is that the reason it was okay that it was so much like Episode Four is that the prequels had gone gone so far afield, which wasn't bad, uh, but for all the people that didn't like the prequels, you had to bring it back to where they thought Star Wars should be. So a carbon copy that's fun, just different enough to merit it being its own thing. So then along comes this movie and takes it right back out in so many directions it's almost all like all the things that Lucas did to diversify uh, the prequels all happened in one movie, which, yeah, if 
you like Luke throwing the saber over his shoulder, by the way, I'm the only one that did. Because for three years I thought, what is he going to say? What is he going to do? And he didn't say anything. And if you had asked me to drop the lightsaber over your shoulder, it would be the last thing. So props to Ryan for coming up with the last thing that anybody would have put up with and so forth. But you're right. If all of these things, if you have to ask yourself twice in a movie, I don't know. Can I? But if you have to ask yourself that a thousand times, you're going to have a bad time. I didn't even mind Dark Luke. I do think, you know, Mark Hamill has said, you know, Luke's the eternal optimist. So to have him in such a dark place didn't really make sense. And you know, I I don't want to say that the choice to make him dark was wrong and to make him so sullen and resigned was wrong because I think it can work. I just don't think it was executed as well as I might have liked. And also, Last Jedi felt very Battlestar Galactica to me. Like, oh no, they can't outrun the bad guys. Okay. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, I could we could do a whole podcast just on that episode. But but I would say that I also really liked Rose. Um, I thought she was one of the standout good things in the movie. You were saying to me earlier that you would have liked to have seen an episode nine with a plan. Because it seemed like that was definitely setting up a bunch of stuff with the broom kid, with uh, when she said it's not about destroying what we hate, it's about saving what we love. That set up an entire narrative of what I expected from Rise of Skywalker, where they had to realize, look, we've done this whole thing twice. How's it worked out? Same thing. Luke is in the same, Yoda was off in the distance, Ben was off in the distance, Luke's off in the distance. We can't do this anymore. Maybe we should stop blowing stuff up and, I don't know, have a party or something? Similarly, <laughs> I, I just, I, I will never understand for the life of me why when Disney bought Star Wars, they didn't, and they're like, okay, Let's have a meeting. Let's talk about what we're going to do with this. Let's make some movies. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Let's, let's do that. Make some money. Make some movies. Yes, so yes, I hear you have a movie for me. Uh, so the thing that I will never understand is why someone in that meeting didn't tentatively raise their hand and say, um, should we like script out all three of them at once? No, 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 no. Just get a good director. Just go make a Star Wars movie. Just let them go. It'll be fine. We'll make it up as we go. Like, I don't. I will never understand. The prequels had that same problem too, but at least, and I'll give the prequels this, there was a sense that they had an outline. They clearly didn't have a script, but they at least had an outline. Like, you know, so they wrote episode one and they're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to make some notes for episodes two and three. And then they made the film episode one and then they got back to two and like, oh, wow, I should have probably fleshed this out a little bit more. It's fine. You know. Well, Uncle George was in control of all of them. I have a feeling that what they said was, well, we got three different people writing three different scripts for the original trilogy. Three different directors. But what you got is George with creative control saying, eh, don't do that. Because uh, ultimately, you're going to ultimately, ultimately, ultimately. Prequel trilogy, he wrote and directed all of them. And for better or for worse, it began, it had a middle, and it ended. And there was no part of that where we were like, why did he, because that doesn't make any sense. If he, did he not know? This one, I think the Disney exec sat down and said, look, multiple directors, multiple screenwriters, we're all professionals here. We just paid $4 billion for this. How can it go wrong? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great segue. What's your number eight? Uh, eight. Number eight is number seven. Uh, Force Awakens. Finally get to show some love to that one. That's not how the Force works. Uh, another cultural icon. I loved that one a lot. It's a lot of fun. I saw that one ten times in the theater. Uh, because it was a lot of fun. Like I said, it was similar enough to Episode Four to still have that daffy feel. Uh, different enough 
to be its own thing. We had never seen a uh, dark side force user being called to the light. The thing always was, don't follow the dark side. Well, we never occurred to us that the dark path is hard to tread too, because what if you want to help an old lady across the street? Can't. Number eight for me is Attack of the Clones. I don't like sand. Okay. So here's where clones falls for me. I will give it that the Django versus Obi Django Fett versus Obi Wan fight in the rain is great, and it I don't know for me this movie just kind of like it it's just kind of there like I never really want to watch it like there's just not a lot there like and that's another one like I remember in the theaters when the Yoda lightsaber moment happened I was like yeah this is awesome and now in hindsight I'm like uh, is it though I just. You know, and we get Dooku, like he says, you're, that's your favorite villain from the, the prequels. Like, but we don't, we don't meet him until way late in the movie. He doesn't really do much. And then early in the third movie, he dies. Like, the prequels are horrible about wasting villains. Um, but so from, there's just not a lot going on in Attack of the Clones. There's like the 20-minute chase scene on Coruscant. Um, it's like, oh my god, just... Just let her die. Um. Interestingly, I've read the scripts for all three of the prequel movies, and George cut a lot of things that I think might have been cool. Uh, one of the things that uh, it, when the uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon first land on the uh, Federation cruiser at the very, very beginning of Phantom Menace, one of the pit droids turns around and says, who do you think those guys are? And the other one says, I don't know. I'm not programmed to think. <laughs> We're, we're in the bottom three now. Yeah, we're home stretch. Bottom three. What's your number nine? Rogue. Rogue One. Be careful not to choke on your aspirations. And it's only this far down because I was sticking to trilogies. Fair enough. Because I, I like Rogue One a lot. This I'm starting to notice a trend now in movies where the main character, the Harry Potter character, is kind of bland, but his friends are cool. And I think that from now on, the number one, that tentative guy in the room at Disney should say, can, should we not make the plucky best friend the main guy? Can we do that? Because that might be more interesting. Um, Jin Urso took a long time to warm up to, and I don't know if it's because she was a jerk because of bad things that happened to her, but I spent the first half of the movie not liking her. Side note, when you have a $10 billion tentpole movie, you should probably do a cursory Google search to make sure that your character's name doesn't sound like asshole. <laughs> my oh. my biggest beef with that movie is i mean it's it everyone knows it had extensive reshoots the trailer had some really great moments none of which ended up in the movie <laughs> i'm like like in the movie or in the trailer she has some good lines where i'm like oh that seems like a cool character i look forward to seeing her but in the actual movie she just kind of stands around making those doe eyes at everybody it's like well, if she doesn't do it, someone has to. That said, it was by degrees that I had to warm up to her. She was pretty cool. Uh, just not mm, a little hard-nosed. She didn't have a handle as much as uh, our first Star Wars ninja, Donnie Yen. Is your foot all right? Are you kidding me? I'm blind. Um, and I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for, the, for movies like this, sequels, trilogies like this, where... The order's all over the place, but you eventually get to see who's the first person that said something. So Palpatine's the first one that said, Darth Vader. So how do you say something patently stupid as Death Star and you got Mads Mikkelsen able to pull it off in style, but they call it the Death Star. 
he's, he sets up 40 years of movies with a small speech, no, no stress at all. For me, coming in at number nine is Rise of Skywalker. Stand together, die together. Uh, oh, really? So there's another one that's worse than that? There's two that are worse than that. But, I mean, we're splitting hairs here at the end. Rise of Skywalker, it, it, it's very much the J.J. syndrome. Like, when I first left the theater, I was like, that was a great ride. And then, and then I... Then I yeah, then I'm like, wait, wait. And then I rewatched it and I, when it came out on Blu-ray, and I was like, oh, no. I just... that. To be fair, that movie was going to be impossible. Like, you couldn't have paid me anything to take that movie on because you had to somehow pay off the, the promises you, the people who liked Force Awakens and the people who liked Last Jedi, but you've Not also, yeah, but you've got to win back the people you lost with Last Jedi and also make the fans from the original trilogy happy, somehow redeem the prequels, maybe? Like, it, there's, there was no way to win. And of course, most of the narrative plot threads had been severed so what do you possibly do well not this uh, <laughs> it's just again there was no way to win so i mean i can't really fault them too much um leia is a mess i think they'd have been much better served having killed her off in last jedi uh could have been easily done with the way when she when kylo shoots shoots at her and she does her space mary poppins moment I'm like yep. that would have been a really good moment to just kill Leia off and do do some reshoots. Um, oh, and I bought it. I bought it too. We, Ro and I looked, looked at each other and said, was that it? Is that how they fixed this? I, I wish it had been. Because every time she shows up in Rise of Skywalker, I'm like, this is fake. This they're, They are forcing this. This doesn't, no pun intended, this doesn't <laughs> feel genuine. And again, we're like, oh, well now I have a whole fleet and every Star Destroyer has a planet-killing weapon. And I'm like, can we just get away we send one of theirs to the hospital, we send one of theirs to the morgue. Like, I just... Every planet killing... Why does every movie have to... I can kill a planet. Like, ugh. I've seen it for 40 years. Let it go. <laughs> However, that being said, the Emperor is my one of my favorite characters. Um, so just seeing Ian McDermott chew the scenery and get away with it. Um, <laughs> I mean, you want to talk about actors pulling things off... Uh, he's one of the only ones in the prequel trilogies that doesn't look like a complete fool. Uh, you know, he pulls off, you know, the weird space opera speech in Revenge of the Sith. You know, did I ever tell you about Darth Plagueis? That motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> so like, and just seeing him chew the scenery in Rise of Skywalker, I just, I love it. I love it so much. So, yeah, like there are some moments in that movie that I like, but I mean, they lay as a mess. They wasted Rose. <laughs> Lando's there because he has to be. I, there's no reason not to. Bring him back. Yeah. So that's why it rounds out my number nine. What are we at? Number 10? Number 10. Yes. Solo. So this is uh, Sabak. 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 Got it. <laughs> Solo is also number 10 for me. Anything, Hen? It's on, but that's okay. But why is Solo number 10 for you? Um, because I was going by Trilogy. It would have been a lot higher. I liked Solo, uh, even though it was a one movie directed by three people. 
Uh, and the same thing with Rogue One. Rogue One held together a little bit better than this one. This one could not figure out what it wanted to be. Uh, smuggling is awesome! Versus an actual movie with actual consequences. I am one of the only people that likes Alden Ehrenreich. I thought he was a good solo. There's a cut scene, a deleted scene from that movie, where he does the, the Han Solo bend forward at the waist and point at himself. And I don't know why they didn't put that in, because... You can tell he studied to be Han. Again, there's no way he could have won. There's no way you could be Harrison Ford. He just did a good job at it, I thought, um, with what he had. That movie was fun, but it suffered a little bit from uh, prequel syndrome, where everything you know about a character happens in an afternoon. I would have been fine not having seen the the, uh, the Kessel Run for them to talk about how easy the Kessel Run is going to be. One day I'm going to do it, and you're going to see. And that's it. That's, a, that's all that we had. Um, I don't know that I can feel sorry for a guy whose droid gets blown up uh, because it's a computer. I love the idea that you can be pansexual with a droid. Love it. Not sure I can um, get get with the idea that when a droid breaks, you can't just back it up, make another one. Um, well, they put it in the Falcon, so now you have a consciousness trapped in a ship with no way to communicate. Right, so why doesn't that bother anybody, most of all Lando? Yeah, that's to me. That's like Millennium Falcon midichlorians. I'm right. Like, if if Rosalie ended up in my Honda Element, <laughs> and the only way I could ever talk to her again is when she says, "No asshole, turn left." That's good. That I, that's a movie by itself. And I need someone to at least drop a, a line of a God. You can go crazy thinking about things like this. Uh, a Terminator line in there to just justify the abyss. <laughs> For me, so I agree with everything you've said, except I don't particularly think the lead pulled it off um i mean he i yeah i didn't hate him but to me there was nothing charismatic or interesting about him he, and the movie was just going through the motions it's like oh here's your name here's your dice which will appease fanboys who had the star wars encyclopedia um to me the whole movie just feels like fan fiction uh, if i'm feeling yeah. really cruel i would say it feels like the third ewok movie like, I knew it could have benefited with some Wilford Brimley. Like it, 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 was missing. it borders on that tone to me. Like it just feels like it takes place at the same circle of the galaxy as, as those movies. Um, and I just, and as I was putting this list together, I was like, I couldn't remember most of the movie. Like I saw it in theaters. I just don't remember much of it, except I loved Lando. I really loved Lando and the robot. I'm like, why didn't we get a Lando movie? I would have loved a Lando movie. Could still get a Lando movie. Yeah, but see, like, a solo movie was such a trap because it's like, okay, you're going to... Are you telling me this is a trap? Yes, it was a is trap. This a trap? It's a trap. Because it's just so, like, there's no way to... That's another movie I don't think there was any way to win. Like, unless you've got Harrison Ford's son, who is, like, mini Harrison and just a really great script. There was just no way, like they'd have been better off just doing a script where you see the origin of nothing. Just like, oh, here he is, like kind of a Pirates of the Caribbean with Han Solo sort of thing. But alas. Bring us on home. What's bottom of the barrel for you? Uh, Bottom of the barrel is Rise of Skywalker. Rise Skywalker. For that movie, uh, I don't think that it held together as a story. I don't think it held together as an actual filmed piece of entertainment. Um, I think that was another, like you said, it was impossible to do, but they should have picked one. At the end of, at that juncture, you had, you could either go with uh, Force Awakens, 
a third part of Force Awakens, or you could be the continuation of Last Jedi. Uh, and either one of them would have been interesting, and I don't think this was any of them. Uh, I, I feel stupid saying that you can't introduce a new threat in the third movie when Return of the Jedi introduced that same threat so well. But, yeah, your big bad is Snoke, or failing that, it's Kylo. Kylo is the big bad. That's what he did in the second movie. So that's got to be about Rey and Kylo. And Kylo kind of took a backseat in this movie. There were things that I enjoyed in this movie, uh, but I feel stupid for enjoying them once I got home and thought about them. I feel like this movie came after every pop culture thing that's happened up to this point uh, with the inclusion of what I call awesome prompts, which is where you have a hero do something awesome and there just happens to be a villain or a civilian right there to ask them their name, to ask a question that doesn't make sense in the context of of what's going on at the moment so that the hero gets to turn back over the shoulder Vin Diesel style and say their name or say something awesome and, and walk away. Ray who? I'm all the Sith and I, I'm all the Jedi. I'm Iron Man. I mean, Jedi, I'm not sure. The moment I love most in that movie is because I like it in the context of the moment because I think it's one of the most honest and truthful, genuine moments. It's funny, but I also feel that it represents all of the actors' feelings towards these films, which is when, towards the end, where Kylo gets that lightsaber from Rey and takes on the Knights of Ren, where he just shrugs, where he's like, all right, I got a lightsaber. Okay, here we go. Like, I feel that 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 epitomizes all of the actors' feelings, all of our feelings, like, all right, let's, let's go. <laughs> Here it is. Let's get to the conclusion of this thing. I, just, yeah, I don't know. Well, for me, bottom of the barrel, no surprise, Phantom Menace. I've been wondering, what are midichlorians? Really? Yeah, I just, I can't, if you ask me to put on a Star Wars movie, it's not going to be Phantom Menace. Like, it just, it's like you said, I mean, you acknowledged like it's long, it's clunky, it's boring. The pod race, I couldn't care less. Um, Jar Jar is only more painful. The humor just doesn't work. Like, it's just like Anakin built C-3PO on Tatooine. Wait, what? Why? Why? And like we talked about the cultural phenomenon that was this movie opening. Like, I still feel disappointed that it didn't live up to that. <laughs> Personally victimized. Like, I feel that if I were to go to Target right now, there are still some, like, Jar Jar Binks popsicles lurking in the Frozen section that are just, like, left over from 1999. Like, somebody saying, please buy these. Yeah. Like, that's how much that hurt echoes through time. However, the lightsaber fight with Qui-Gon, Darth Maul, and Obi-Wan is amazing. Um, most of the final battle is kind of okay because it feels like star wars i mean like oh spinning's a good trick like that that's still dumb um and darth maul is wasted did you notice when kylo did it in last jedi yes yes yeah i thought that was an interesting touchback without getting too sentimental about things exactly it's there for those who catch it and it doesn't you don't have to hang a lampshade on it to draw attention to it but i do think i mean again there are moments in that movie that are nice but man what a what a disappointment all around. But, you know, depending on the day, I might rank it a little higher, a little lower. <laughs> but, like, if you ask me tomorrow to rewrite this list, it, some of these might move up and down. They At just, the end of the day, these are all wonderful movies, and we're still talking about them now, and we're not talking about, we're not nitpicking other movies. 
Yeah. These are it, our, isn't it pick, damn it? Yeah, well, and I mean, and I, I think that as a society, we should be able to talk about what does and doesn't work in a movie without people v- villainizing you for it. Like, you know, like, oh yeah, I want to talk about what I didn't, didn't like about Last Jedi. That doesn't make me a bad human. <laughs> like, I just... We all have to yell. Yeah, I mean, we can... To me, art, I mean, even though this is, you know, quote-unquote, just kids' movies, silly art, it's still art. And I enjoy the discourse of, oh, you ranked that higher. Why? Oh, you connected with this. It didn't really connect with me. I wonder why. I mean, I... I'm a filmmaker, a writer, an artist. I want to know what works and what doesn't. I like picking this apart. Um, so, I mean, I enjoy that we have these movies to pick apart. Every movie does have something in it that I enjoy. It's just how many hours of stuff do you have to sit through to get to that moment? <laughs> yeah, so. Like nothing happens for 45 minutes in Attack of the Clones. And, okay, this is why I'm watching this movie. I was, it, now. was it Topher Grace that did an edit of the prequels that's just into one movie? It's like all the best stuff. Reportedly, we can neither confirm nor deny the existence of this information yeah. at this time. I, I actually love to muse, like, okay, given the prequel trilogy and the sequel trilogy, what would I do differently? Like, given these same, like, if the, the three scripts came to me and they were like, okay, Travis, fix these. Like, I, I actually muse quite a bit on what I would do to fix them. Because I think the elements are all there. They're just in a mixed up order. And like you said, as each movie goes on, more of a Herculean task to get it to work. I think probably the only, the, the hardest one would be the first one. You got to rest the whole thing into being from nothingness. And after that, just stair steps to get to the next one. I mean, you're going to have missteps. Of course you are. Yeah. I mean, I think in looking at the whole, when you look at the original trilogy, they're just, they're that flash Gordon, like here's a quick little space romp. They're not trying to set up a universe or trying to call back to a universe. They're just, here's a space romp. Oh, today we're on a snow planet. Today we're on a forest planet. They don't, they're not trying to be anything more than that, really. And I think that's what works so well. And what, you know, why a lot of the films since then have suffered is because they're trying to be like, oh, people like the, all the planets, give them all the planets, but all the planets they know. Oh, but give them a new planet, but it's got to be a new planet they've never seen. And oh, give them, like, it's that line between telling a new story and fan service. It's, it's, I, again, you couldn't pay me to make a Star Wars movie. You couldn't. You're uh, and you're getting feedback because instead of calling back to that uh, serials of the '40s time, you're starting to call back to yourself. You couldn't ask in Episode Four. You never asked what does a Star Wars movie taste like, and really, you didn't ask that in Number Six. When you started to make the prequels, then you're like, okay, what should I do? How to make it Star Warsy? That was never a term. Uh, and in fact, I think there should be a new rule that you can only have two touchbacks per movie because Rogue One, I do love it, but did we really need to run into the, the good, ah, I'm going to have a death sentence on 12 systems. That was maybe one too many that that dude was right there. He's got 15 minutes to get to Moss Eisley. I, yeah, man, what a ride it's been. It has been a decent ride. Like I said, yeah, at the end of the day, these are all movies that if you put them on, at some point, you're going to put down what you're cooking and drift into the, the kind of the entertainment room and watch them mm-hmm. as do, much as one of them. I do think the biggest issue with the prequel trilogy is that George Lucas had complete control. Had he, you know, if he had let other people write and direct, I think a lot of these things would have been addressed. They wouldn't have been as difficult to palette. But again, you see why he did it in the same way you see why Luke went to the island. He went into the hospital for, for the first movie because he couldn't do what he wanted. 
after three movies of being told you don't have enough money to do what you want, when you make the fourth movie, you've got control. I'm doing it just like I want it. Yeah, and I think, you know, James Cameron is now suffering from this. He's, because George yeah. was like, I want to play with the technology, and the story was secondary. You know, he was like, I want to do digital characters and I don't want to pay for scenery. I want to pay a guy to code the scene. It's just, and James Cameron, you know, we've lost the great filmmaker that was James Cameron to av- the Avatar world, which who cares? Um, like, who wants five more Avatar movies? Who? Who is asking for that? Same people that want Big Mama's House 3. I don't know. But... Hey, I've been waiting for that. I've been waiting for that for a long time. Well, sorry, no judgment. But <laughs> anyway, so Phil, any final thoughts on on Star Wars and ranking Star Wars films? Uh, I want to go on record as saying that I really, really enjoyed uh, Mary Poppins' Leah. I thought it was a great touch. I can I can explain where the where the the problem comes from. Leah, Leah Organa, using the Force to pull herself to the living beings in the ship, is amazing. Carrie Fisher in a gray muumuu being hung by wires is inherently silly, and that's where the the problem comes from. That's where people are losing their minds. I think that's fair. Um, that moment ranks highly on my list of why moments, um, but it was Luke milking the space teat that really just kind of lost it for me. Like, that was the point where I was like, oh, this movie is only ever going to be as good as this moment. <laughs> um... And I just, like, and it's not even the fact that he milks the space teat, which is pretty bad. It's the, it's the look on his face after he drinks it. Oh, because, yeah. He's like, this is, yeah. Because to me, to me, that's not Luke. That is Mark Hamill being like, the shit they're making me do for you people. Mm-hmm. And I just, uh, uh. At the risk of sounding like I'm making a terrible pun, I'm going to milk this scene. Yeah, I just, he's like, I'm going to make such a face that they'll never put this scene in the movie. <laughs> I just oh god bless you Mark Hamill anyway Phil thank you so much for doing this this was fun I uh, appreciate you coming on the show thanks for bringing me along it's been fun it's been difficult this is so difficult but it's been fun well may the force be with you and always with you now get your 7 foot 2 asthmatic ass back here or I'm going to tell everyone what a whiny bitch you were about Potamame or Panda Bear or whatever the hell her name is <laughs> If you want to help out this show, then please subscribe and leave us a review. That helps us beat the weird algorithms these sites use and keeps us on the top of the pile. And of course, share this podcast with your friends. We'd really appreciate it. I've got to head into Tashi Station to pick up some power converters, so that's going to bring this episode to a close, but I hope to catch you next time. Hedge Clippings is brought to you by Hedges Pictures, the makers of movies, books, and more. Check them out at hedgespictures.com and be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening.